Jesus was on the brow of the hill. He was riding a colt that had never been ridden before. And so you must, excuse me, you must understand, you must understand that, that this was the sign. This was the sign that people had been waiting for. They knew that the Messiah would come and that he would ride an unbroken colt. So they started saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Okay, so listen carefully to what they're saying this morning. Hosanna to the Son of David. What else did they say? Blessed is the King of Israel. What else did they say? Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now when Sarah met Mr. Gulata at the Hollywood church, boy, look what, look what happened. A marriage, two beautiful children, and now they're, they're family. They have a name. We're family here this morning. We, we have this name. It's, it's called Seventh-day Adventist. And, and, and here we are at the Santa Clarita Seventh-day Adventist Church. So when the people are yelling at Jesus coming on a cult and they're saying, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, they are pronouncing uh, in a joyful manner the fact that what they had been promised for so long has now happened. But where is it happening? Oh yes, they're on the they're on the brow of the hill overlooking Jerusalem. And 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 they are they are um believing that he is now going to enter into Jerusalem and that he is going to become the king, the king that they have always been told would come, and he is going to chase away the Romans, and he is going to make Israel great again. Believe me when I tell you that his disciples also believed this. In fact, they had been very happy when he told them to go find the man who had the colt upon which he was going to ride, and they joined in with the people. You heard just the reading of the word this morning. I hope it, 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 there was a bit of wax in the left ear because I hope it went in the right ear. And, and you heard that these were the same people who had been around when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You see, so they knew this was the life giver. This was the one who, who was going to sit on David's throne forever. So it becomes very, very strange to them when Jesus says these words. I like Many versions, but I learned it in the King James. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Just quick question. Uh, how many of those pronouns in that sentence refer to you? None. Jesus comes to this world to fulfill the plan that God has. He, as we said last week, is the plan. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be lifted up. 
the response is amazing from the people. They immediately say, but, 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 the law. Now, in Sabbath school today, Virginia was leading out, and we were reminding ourselves of what it was like to grow up Adventist. Some of you who are younger can say amen to the fact that you didn't have to grow up in an era in the Adventist church when we believed and were taught, do your best, and Jesus will make up the rest. If you still believe that, and you're saying, oh my goodness, what is the pastor about to say? Because that's what I believe. I refer you to the text we just read. I, if I be lifted up, will draw all humanity to myself. There's no pronoun in that sentence that refers to you and your righteousness, whatever you think your righteousness is. But like us, the people then said, but, 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 we have been told by the law that the Messiah, the Christ, will come and that his kingdom will last forever and ever. There will be no end. So what is this I will be lifted up stuff? As I read this again in John 12, I, I, I was struck by the fact that, that some of us may think that we know a lot about Jesus. We may think that we have been taught a lot about Jesus and we may think that, that because we know the law, because we know the prophets, because we know the history, that we know the Jesus of the cross too. But it's obvious, it's obvious that the people who should have known, who were his representatives, did, didn't know. I was struck by that because it, it struck me that maybe I, I don't know. That would be strange that the, you know, that the pastor doesn't really know Jesus. The one that I'm, I'm supposed to be preaching about every week. But here he is, he's, he's doing all the things that the Messiah was supposed to do. And, and, and people are saying, no. You're, you're not supposed to go to the cross. And Jesus is saying, yep, that's, that's, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. And I'm, I'm putting kind of two things together here today, so just hang with me on this. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, and I think to myself, how does that, how does that work? Well, I, I suddenly realize God makes man... And then man has a son, and, and, and then God and man are reunited because the son of man, the creation of God, is that which was promised to Eve, comes and voluntarily lays down his life for the family. To bring the family in the name, be the, be the one who comes in the name of the family of God and rescues the family from destruction. So putting two things together. So that's why Jesus calls himself the son of man. 
He calls himself the Son of Man because he is the one who was to come. He is the promised one. And he had to be 100% human and 100% God in order to do that. In the early 300s of uh, time after Christ, the church had to decide, is he God or is he man? And they decided at a big council that he was both. He was 100% both at the same time. And this is the mystery, what we call the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the godliness that is Jesus. The plan that God puts in place requires that you be 100% human and at the same time 100% God. Here was the kicker. You can't use your godliness to get through your humanness. So he goes to the, remember he goes to the, the desert and he gets tempted. No, he's not allowed to make those stones into bread because he's hungry. Because you and I can't. We're not God. So he had to endure the, the kinds of temptations that we are called to endure every week. He had to endure those temptations exactly like we would have to endure them. And that, my friends, is by trusting in God. And so he answers, if you read it again, which you should this afternoon, he answers with Deuteronomy. Thus says the Lord, thus says God, don't tempt me. God sent me into the wilderness. God is going to support me. I don't need to make bread for myself. I don't need what I can do for myself. I only need to depend on God. In John chapter 6, uh, again, a, a quick connection. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, ladies, again, I always apologize at this moment and say, sorry, uh, they didn't count the ladies. The Bible specifically says there were 5,000 men. 5,000 men. Now, it's a nice round number, so did they count accurately? Probably not. It was an estimate. So in that estimate, we should add that there were probably several thousand women and potentially also several thousand children. Because people usually didn't travel like this without their whole family and they had followed Jesus. So let's just say one and one. And so now you have 15,000. Does that make the miracle any more? I suppose you could say it was a bigger number. But that little boy's lunch feeds a big group of people because Jesus just kept breaking it and they took the baskets around. Who do you think that miracle was for, by the way? How many baskets were picked up full of leftovers? Twelve. Who were carrying those baskets? The disciples. The Bible tells us in, 12, in, in John chapter 12 that they didn't understand what Jesus said until after... He died and was resurrected. They did not understand. So please be kind to yourself. Please be kind to your neighbors who may not understand Jesus. Who may not understand what he came to do for this world and how he decided or how it was planned that he should do it. A little while ago we talked about the snake on the pole. Remember we talked about look and live. Today, here in communion, we are, we are focusing on the cross. We're focusing on Jesus giving his life. He became the cursed one on the pole. 
See how that fits together? I mean, can you imagine? He takes our curse for us. But you see, John chapter 6, he's feeding people, and then he goes into another piece of, of Israelite history that they were very, very familiar with, and you know, it's something we love to do on Sabbath, and it's something we do at communion. We eat. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Manna came down six days a week in the wilderness and fed you. Remember, remember the recipes that we talked about the last time we mentioned this? Manna cotti. <laughs> manna burgers. You know, depending on the day of the week, mom was preparing something with manna. By the way, it's the Hebrew word for, what is this? <laughs> Ma'ana. Ma'ana in Hebrew means, what is this stuff? Okay, <laughs> and they learned pretty quick that if they went out on Sabbath morning, there was none. And if they picked up too much on Thursday, thinking they could have extra on Friday, by, by Friday morning it had worms. So what was in that manna? I don't know. It was very, very uh, nutritious. It kept them alive for 40 years. They had manna. It wasn't until they started eating the already grown food in Canaan that the manna stopped. I brought you to the land. I have given you what I promised. The manna stops. Forty years, an entire generation raised, not on Nestle's, but on manna. Jesus says, I am, I am that connection. I am that connection. I'm the bread of life. And you need to take me in to your, your, your being and let me become part of you. Then he uses the grape juice. Some want to say, oh, it was, it was vintage from Napa Valley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Am I going to argue with you? Probably not. I will tell you that there's probably three different uses of the word wine in the Bible. And it also had to do with reconstituted raisin paste. No, they didn't have refrigeration. And yes, they did drink wine, wine. So which was it? Well, we'll never know. Except that I listen to Solomon who says, wine can make you stupid. So we choose to give you grape juice today and not wine. It's Welch's. It's one of my favorites. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm giving you my best today. I think Jesus gave his best when he gave the children of Israel, a look at the land of Canaan where the grapes were so big that one bunch of grapes, it's, it's said, took two guys to carry it. I mean, come on, there were giants in the land. They needed giant grapes. And the juice, the juice from these grapes was just so amazing. Chris and I have, have tasted grape juice in many parts of the world, and one was on our honeymoon, and I'm telling you, it was, it was just amazing. It was fresh-squeezed red grape juice. It was so sweet that they were, the place where they were pressing it was covered, I mean covered, in yellow jackets. And you know the yellow jackets know what's sweet. So we asked for that at the restaurant instead of the wine, and, and they brought us a bottle of this fresh squeezed grape juice. It was the best. It was the best. Jesus says, and this was, this was when there was a parting of the way, so be careful about this. Jesus says, if you don't eat my body or drink my blood, <gasps> 
is not Dracula talking. This is Jesus. If you don't take me into your life, you can't have any part with me. Because you see, I'm not going to be part of you. So today, the symbols that we will be participating in will be helping us to remember that Jesus wants this close relationship with us so that we will know him and that he will know us and that we won't say something as silly as the people who are on the brow of the hill from him saying, but the law, but the law says you're supposed to live forever and you're not supposed to die. What is this hanging on a tree thing? We won't say stuff like that. We'll say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for taking our curse for us and in exchange, giving us eternal life. Virginia agrees with me. 90 years is pretty short. She's already lived. 90 years. Those of us who are, you know, ready to be grandparents, I can guarantee you, those of you who are younger, we blinked once and you were born. We blinked twice and you're getting married. We blinked three times and now we're grandparents. Solomon was right. It is short, short time that we have on this earth. So I'm telling you the good news in the Gospels here today is Jesus gives us eternal life. Please tell your friends, please tell your family, this life is just not enough to be with you. That would probably be the most loving, most wonderful thing that you could ever say to anyone that you really, really care about. I want to live forever in the presence of God with you. What, 90 years is enough? Okay, Virginia, you've had enough. Her neighbor is 98, and one of our friends who attends church here is her caregiver. She's still got all her marbles, but her body isn't moving as well. She needs help. Come on, guys. Eternal life. If that doesn't make you want to leave this place after you've had communion, after you've had the opportunity to look somebody in the eye, because that's what we're going to do just in, the, in a second now, to have the opportunity to look someone in the eye and say to them, how is it with you? Do you want eternal life? Really, I want you to ask each other that question. And when you say yes, you're saying yes to Jesus and you're saying yes to eternal life and that should change you. Okay? So that this week, when you have somebody come to you, call you like, like somebody called me this week, uh, you know, my brother was talking about cussing and cursing on the bus this week. Well, my brother called me. and He was distressed. And he was cussing and cursing. Because people in this world, my friends, who do not have this hope, are living, are living on a very thin, thin thread. If you are not hearing them, my friends, just know that Jesus is hearing them. And if you don't go and help them, he'll send somebody else because he loves them. 
He hears them, he hears their cries, and he wants to help them. And it could be you that he sends this week to say, you know what, son, you know what, my friend, you know what, lady, there's eternal life. Jesus wants you home with him, and it begins now. We would like to be together. Why don't you come with me to lunch? Or let me take you to Starbucks and get you some. I don't care what it is. Do something that will change the course of how they feel about God and he will thank you and he will bless you for it. And then when you think about it, you'll realize this person's life is different now because they met Jesus. That's exciting to me. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. We can come here every week and we can sit and nothing can change. Is that exciting? Well, it's not exciting to me. I'm looking to myself and I'm saying, because I know Jesus, is my life different? Is my life exciting as I, as I watch? And so he gives me a boldness to talk to people. And some people say, how can you talk to people? And I say, because Jesus asked me to. Because he wants me to be in that person's life. He wants me to help that person somehow, some way to know that there is an eternal life. And that he wants to be part of their lives and that he will bring them home someday. And we're going to separate, I'm going to give you that foot washing opportunity. Again, I want you to see it as an opportunity right now to be the hands of God and to say to somebody else, look, uh, there's eternal life. How, how are you dealing with that offer? Now, if it's your spouse, tell me the spouse room again. Multi-purpose room. Okay, there it is. Families, multi-purpose room. The women are in H, which is around the corner and at the back. If you have a special friend you want to talk to, folks, please take this opportunity. I don't care if you don't wash feet. Just go find a place with somebody and just ask them this question. How is it with you and Jesus? Because guess what? We have this opportunity. It's something I cannot claim to have a market on, to, to have a, a special part on. I cannot claim to be the only one who can wash your feet, who can ask Jesus to forgive your sins. You have that wonderful task given to you by Jesus Christ to say to somebody else, you know what? Jesus has forgiven you. In the name of Jesus, leave this place knowing that you are forgiven. Each one of you have that opportunity today. If you don't want it, that's fine. I, I'm not going to push you either way, but I'm going to say, take the opportunity with somebody today to just pray with them. Right now, we're going to have some music in the sanctuary, and then we're going to have foot washing, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to eat. And we're going to do this special eating, and I'm suggesting to parents who might have been more traditional like my parents, give it to your kids. My mom made me take my little finger and dip it in. Oh, you can't have that till you're baptized. No, no, that's not how it works. This is about Passover. This is about eternal life. Everybody ate. Okay? So let's eat today at the table of God and when we come back from, from this particular part of the service. Okay? God bless you as we separate.
Welcome to the Lord's table. Jesus was very, very excited, I think, about uh, having this moment with his disciples, even though he knew what was going to happen. And we do know what happened after this meal. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he was tempted, I believe, this is now the gospel according to me, I believe he was tempted to leave us behind. He'd come this far, and I believe he was tempted to just leave. If you look at all three of the temptations in the wilderness, they were basically the devil saying, here's the shortcut. You do this, I'll give you the whole world. I believe that Jesus, Jesus sweat blood because he was deciding right then and there to go through with the plan. And praise God, he did. And he did not do it without help. An angel was dispatched to aid him and to assure him of his father's love and care. Just know that when the journey gets rough for you too, that you can ask God, to send his Holy Spirit, to send his angels to, to as, as Ellen talks about often, to waft away the darkness so that the light of his throne will shine upon you. Know that that was needed for Jesus in that very, very dark moment when the evil one came and said, you know what, they're just not worth it. Just leave them. Look at them over there, your best friends, they're sleeping. They're not watching with you. They don't care. They don't even understand. Remember we just read that? They don't understand what you're doing for them. So just leave. I'll, you know, leave it to me. But he didn't. He went through with it. And I want to remind us again, as I will always remind you, the Jewish people didn't kill Jesus. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. And you're saying, what? Nope. Remember at the very end, they came by with that hammer and they broke the legs of one guy so that he would die quicker. And then they came to break Jesus' legs. What, what was the situation? He was already dead. Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to myself. And he also told them, I will lay down my life and I will take it up of his own power. So praise God, when we look at it from that perspective, we know that Jesus did this himself and God did this himself. Nobody did this for him. Nobody, nobody pushed him into it. He did this himself with his own power. That is the power of the cross. That is the power of the plan of salvation, which leads us all back home again. We're going to take part in these emblems. I've asked my friends here to, to pray for us. One about the body, the bread, and the other for the wine, the grape juice, the blood that uh, is so important. And uh, the Bible does say that without the shedding of blood, there's no paying the price. So Jesus shed his blood and paid the price. And so hallelujah.
we have eternal life through Jesus Christ today. We're going to kneel if you would just bow your heads with us at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to before you today and we are saddened when we think about how you sent your son to die on the cross in such a painful way. But we, we rejoice today as a church family because we know that we have the hope of salvation and each one of us has the hope of eternal life. So we come and we, we remember the blood that was shed, but we're thankful so much for your son who died for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you, Lord, for remembering us. Even before we were, mm -hmm. you thought of us. Even before there was evil, you were prepared. And Lord, we thank you that you became flesh and dwelt among us. That we can know the way. That we can claim salvation because of your death. Because you gave your body, your life, that we could live. We claim that salvation today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There are many, many traditions in, in uh, Christianity. I invite our servers to come forward. And uh, in our tradition, we... Uh, we believe in the symbolism of these emblems, and um, we even have provided today, as per my request, for gluten-free. So if you are gluten-free, see this gentleman right here. Just raise your hand and he will, like the lady at the back there, she wants gluten-free. I know Chris, Chris will want gluten-free. It's crazy to think that if you come to the Lord's table, you can't eat just because you can't have gluten. So we're making sure that you can all be fed today. We will have some quiet music while we are served.
sweeps away my sin just like a flood so not a hint of it can stay it's Jesus precious blood the voices that wish speaks for me in hands I court Justifies and sets me free. It's Jesus' precious blood. Oh, precious blood, it covers me. It takes away the stain of sin. Such power is contained soul shall best employ your song before your God and make all heaven ring for joy it's Jesus precious
seeing that this was Passover, I want you to be thinking about that story particularly because it has the whole family in mind and it has the entire nation of Israel in mind. And because of the doorposts being daubed with blood, the death angel passed over. But they were eating the lamb, Passover lamb. So I say, take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Makes you really, really want that drink, doesn't it? Maybe that's what it means to take Jesus into your life. You, you get a real hungering and thirsting. That's what the Beatitudes say. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you want the infilling of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, drink ye all of it. Sing a song. Maybe guys are you going to sing a song? Are our musicians going to play for us? If so, come right on up. Because you see, the tradition was that when the meal was finished, that they would sing. They would sing songs of the kingdom of heaven. And then they would, then they would go out once they had reminded themselves that the death angel had passed over. And that for yet another year, they were alive. We have the possibility of singing in the sanctuary. So glad that uh, we have leaders in music that are bringing us songs that teach us about God. So I want to thank them and we'll sing that song now. We can go sit down. Yeah.